um, hold on, there's going to be a raft of questions here. <laughs> and I didn't get here in time to Thank see. Um, I, I can't quite make you out. Hey, Brian, hello. Hi, Brian. Hi. Uh, I had to go catch a plane in 10 minutes ago. Uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't tear myself away from your presentation because I think it's exactly right on. I have a lot of thoughts, but I would just like to ask if maybe you'll write a paper with me or something. Uh, we can be in touch. I'd love to. Okay. Thank you. Uh, D David Smith, uh, Lloyd Schofield, and Tina, and then Mark, and then Sammy. Um, hi, Ellie. You said we should be getting into medical schools and medical education. We are doing that in the UK. Um, Keele University Medical School uh, placed three medical students with us last year as part of their placement. They are actually paying us to place the medical students with us. They wondered how it would go, and apparently we have been one of the most popular placements. Uh, we're discussing with them continuing it this year, so we are already doing that in the UK. Bravo. Um, to your first point, I think that, yes, there, there are political constraints and there are forces working against this perspective in the scientific community. I think that's changing. I think there needs to be a flood of work. And I think that's the only way it's going to happen is you have a flood and some of it gets through and ultimately things change. And I think as the culture is changing, and I have indications that it's definitely changing, there's no question in my mind that it's definitely changing slowly at a glacial pace right now. Um, you'll start to see more of these papers accepted. You'll start to see, but it has to start at uh, a sort of motivated grassroots level. And that I think the people in this room can do a lot of work to try and manage that. Regarding the San Francisco. Can I just put my own hand up there and say that uh, there's a, a one trick that we do miss with this harm thing is that the forces of darkness are always quite happy to sit there and say, oh, we've been doing this for thousands of years and there's no evidence you know, that anybody is ever harmed. Well, where are their studies? Yeah. You know, yeah. The burden of proof before you do something really <coughs> invasive. It's yeah. pretty easy to figure out 
figure out, even without going scientifically, when you're cutting off 15 square inches of more of genital, genital tissue, that's pretty conclusive right there. Um, yeah, it's pretty easy to get, and thank goodness most people get that immediately. You really have to go off on a tangent to figure out and have studies to prove that this is true. I, but it is necessary to go there. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, I, I, I just on this point very quickly, um, I actually think because of some of the points I raised in the presentation that we're not there, um, I think that the lack of refinement in our tools for measuring uh, the ex human experience, which just comes from a general, uh, it's, it's a general problem in the philosophy of mind, it's a general problem in physiological research. We don't have the right tools for that. Um, there's some hard philosophical problems there too about the, how do you quantify human experience. Um, but so I do think actually that a lot of um, intelligent people fall for that and they say, well, if I can't, and, and this is, I was talking about scientism earlier, and this is part of a scientism problem too. If I can't measure it, it doesn't exist. Well, no, because you can measure an x-ray, but, well, but, can, right. But Right, right. But the, yes, the, I, I take your point about the logic, but I, I think that that's why we need the work of Ken McGraw desperately. We need Morton Frisch's work. We need more of that so that it's not so easy to dismiss and that we can talk in more specificity about this issue. Uh, on the San Francisco issue, look, I'm, I don't like talking about this, but I'll talk about it because I think it's really important. Um, the foreskin man... Let's talk about it, sure. I think the foreskin man debacle last summer um, did a lot of damage. Um, and I'm not passing judgment on the individual who was responsible for those comics. I actually did an interview with him last summer to try and get to the bottom of some of what was going on. I don't know him. He didn't agree to meet with me in person, so I didn't get a chance to really get to know him. My approach in general to racism is that we need to have compassion for people who have racist views on a certain level and we need to try and talk to them about why they might have them. Um, I don't know whether or not Matthew Hess is an anti-Semite. I really don't. I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. But what I do know is that his work was interpreted as racist. Um, and when I talk about discipline in the movement, what I mean is that you can't associate with that. And that doesn't mean throwing a person under the bus or not being friends with them or not working with them, but like publicly, you just can't, you can't be seen, it's too easy. You know, the, there was a, there was a, a parallel ballot initiative in, in Santa Monica that was withdrawn because of this issue. The woman who brought it was Jewish, and she specifically said this is why she withdrew her initiative. Well, let's have a discussion point by point here. Uh, the woman in, in Santa Monica was completely overwhelmed. She was very naive. She wasn't prepared for what was about to happen to her. Um, she was just going from a very naive place, and she had, she had people staking out her house 
constantly harassing her and her family. So really, it's uh, to tie in foreskin man to that. It's part of the it's part of the um, narrative, but it's not because of foreskin man. And I can tell you, from my viewpoint as a proponent of the San Francisco Initiative, I was I talked to Matthew the day that this came out. And I knew that this was the manna that there are opponents were looking for because it's the perfect thing to use for their campaign. And they seized on it immediately. This is what they were looking for. I went on TV, I spoke, because I came from a place with the initiative, we need to have a discussion. We need to have everybody on board. I agree with you 100%. We cannot be perceived as supporting things that are divisive because when it really comes down to it we need everybody to be on board and we we know who the biggest opponents are now we we have them almost a lot of them already we need to empower them to speak up this disempowers them from that point foreskin man was a huge um hugely problematic it's not racist. Um, I, I, as I said, as I said, I went on TV denouncing this because I said we want to come from a point that uh, right. encourages discussion. This goes 180 right. degrees, which it did. Right. I think we're mo mostly in agreement here. Um, I, I do think that. Uh, you know, the, the point is not whether or not it's racist. That's a question about. You said racist. So no, I just want to make no, no, the, the appearance of racism is, is actually really important. And in terms of the damage that it did, it doesn't matter whether it is or not. It matters that it was that it was portrayed that way and perceived that way. And and but I want to I mean, the damage is quantifiable. You lost Andrew Sullivan, Lloyd. You lost Andrew Sullivan over this. You, you and, and and the other thing that happened was that the Jewish intactivists felt like they were basically, you know, on the end of a tree limb falling off with no safety net. Like there was, yeah, I know. So I'm just saying that, that a little more discipline. We're agreement, but the point is we're on, and this was so clear to me when I started doing this, everybody is so focused or has been, I could see a huge coming together in the past year or two. When I started doing this, everybody's so focused on their area, part of it is me because I'm new to the movement and I know a lot of people have been working together for decades and decades. My perception when I came in was everybody's so focused on their area, they're doing 100%, uh, they're putting everything they have into it, they don't have enough money, they don't have enough support, they don't have enough time. There was no, from my perspective, and I, I know it's not true for everybody, there was no coming together to recognize the value in working together, or people just didn't have the time, the effort, the money, the organization to do so. I can see that we progressed from that point. But when you look at where we're coming from, everybody is working in their own separate way, and we have to recognize and accept there, hopefully we're not gonna have a P, which is, I see Forsken Man as a PR disaster. We are going to have things like this come up. 
and we had to deal with them, see them for what they are, digest it, and move on. The other side doesn't, doesn't worry about perfection at all. They just spew one thing after another. We can't hold ourselves to such a high standard that any deviation, any problem, causes everybody to seize up. We have to accept that this is going to happen in every, every movement and go on. No, so that's, that's why I brought up yeah. gay rights. One more comment about forcing man. I said it was 180 degrees against the way we want to go, and it is. But what really impressed me about Foreskin Man is after Foreskin Man came out, even though I had nothing to do with it, and I kind of said this is not the way we want to go, so many Jewish men friended me, contacted me, because this is how they perceive the person that did that to them. Just like non-religious men perceived the monster doctor as a monster who held them down and mutilated them most of the time without anesthesia. This is the, 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 the perception that men have. And to completely write this off is, um, is um, doesn't go along with the truth that men, what men have suffered and what men perceive as, how men perceive this act has been done. To, to be absolutely clear, I, I would defend Matthew Hess's right to I would defend his right to create whatever kind of art he wants, even if it were anti-Semitic, but that's really not the point I'm making. And I think that if the intactivist movement will wants to become a mainstream fixture, y you have to be more disciplined about this sort of thing. And, and maybe we disagree on that point. And no, 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 we don't disagree okay. at all. I agree 100%. Uh, Tina first, then Sammy, then Mac. Uh, Mark. So, Tina, Mark, Sammy. Go ahead, Mark. Say, go ahead. No, I, I, just very briefly, uh, great presentation. I really, for the first time, I've heard the argument that you put forth in your uh, Talmudic discussion. And I, you know, I would love to be able to have that. In a, I mean, I followed it, but I don't think I could reproduce it in terms of discussions with rabbis, which I have all the time, and I think it could be very compelling. Could you get that in some way in pamphlet form or written form so that I could digest it better and be able to utilize it in a, in a form that could be meaningful? Well, Mark, uh, I'm writing a book. So. This, is just, this is just the beginning. Um, I think there's a lot, a lot more detail that I need to go in in terms of the Talmudic and halachic uh, literature. And this is just something that I found at the beginning of my research that I wanted to share with you because I was so excited about it. Uh, I'm going to be trying in my book to articulate a complete halachic rethinking of Brit Mila. That's great. That's terrific. But before you write the book, can you get a little kernel? I'll send you an email. I'll send you an email. The book might not come out for another 10 years. I would like to sell his book by the <laughs> <laughs> um, Boy, I, I have like 20 comments. Um, 
But maybe I'll just say that not everybody feels the same way about Foreskin Man. I think it was mm. terrific. Matt Hess is an absolute hero to me. I mean, go on his website. It has nothing to do with public. He's incredible. He has oh, the t you know, one of the top five contactivist websites, thick and deep. He's the only one who's been going to the legislatures of the United States and every single state, every single year. I mean... Yeah, but is he doing us a favor? Having nothing to do with force command. It's not relative to mgmbill.org, okay? Um, it's barely linked. You have to use a microscope to discover that they're linked at all. Um, so if he has the energy and the will, the artistic drive to create Horskin Man, and as you see from the, from the issues that I brought, the Monster Moil is one of 28 characters. Why are we not reacting to the rest of the characters? I love Horskin Man for one reason in particular, is it came out of the closet. It, this, it's the Jews who are making for, circumcision continue to happen. It's over, that argument is now over due to foreskin men, okay? We can no longer say, oh, it's just a small part of the issue. It's, it's, it's only relevant for Jew, Jewish circumcision. No, the, the, all the reaction was around Monster Moyle. There's a whole issue about um, Dr. Mutilator that there was almost no reaction to. There's an entire issue about circumcision in Africa that there was no reaction to. Can you imagine? Tina, I have a question though. Um, how, how many of the RCT doctors who conducted the randomized controlled trials in Africa were Jewish? 90% of them. Oh, come on. No. Alvera is not Jewish. No. Bailey's not Jewish. They, they are. Alvera and Bailey are not Jewish. Bailey's Jewish. Look, I've worked most of my life in Africa off and on. I saw this in the same light she did because I read the third book very carefully. And I thought it's high time we get past the culturally relativistic point of view, which has such a great history in anthropology. And people are going around all the time refusing to call a spade a spade. And now the politically correct thing to do is to constantly talk about genital cutting, which I refuse to use, uh, because I think sometimes you need to call a spade a spade. And I thought what Hess was doing in that third book was talking about the very ugly side of these rituals <coughs> in Africa and calling them as he saw them. And it's high time we stop buying this anthropological crap about the fact that this is someone else's culture and if they do it, we should somehow find it in ourselves to justify and agree with that point of view. We don't do that about our own culture. Why should we do it about other things? Human rights sometimes trumps other things, including culture and religion. Yeah, but it's, it's how you do it. The, the, well, the new, that the new that, that's organization that we have in Canada, the Children's Health and Human Rights Partnership, I and the other three co-founders made a decision last month about our mission statement and how we would move forward because we plan to challenge the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms based on lack of respect uh, for equality based on age and, and gender. And we have a very firm policy, thanks to Billy Ray Boyd's book, um, Circumcision Exposed, in which he talks about intertribal criticism. If you haven't read the book, I highly recommend you read that. And he talks about moving forward 
with a plan for change without denigration. And we have decided with our organization that if we're going to make any progress in Canada, we need to not be painted with the same brush of the MDO and Matthew Hess. As much as we respect the work he's doing, we don't want to be painted with that brush. And these people are not <coughs> monsters. We might like to portray them as monsters. <coughs> They're doing the best that they think that they can do for their children. Um, but we would get nowhere in Africa against females if we painted all of these mothers and, and dyas and so forth as monsters. And so there is that a is way to move forward without denigrating <coughs> other people. You'll take the whole path and in, I don't know about the U.S. anymore, but at least in Canada, we need to move forward on a higher moral level and not be associated with people who are going to taint our efforts. Well, I guess what I wanted to say is we need to include scholars in this group of people where we put the attention, because they're a very dangerous group. We're going around writing books of the sort you're planning to do, and they are finding ways to justify this through culturally relativistic arguing and through this respect for uh, other people's cultures under the guise of political correctness, which can sometimes be very bad. And, and I think that you're Point. The real point is where do you put your attention and where do you avoid going because it's not strategically useful or helpful to the cause. I think what you're saying is think ahead. Yes. And that's exactly what we're doing. Yes. I totally agree with Tim. You want to be tainted with that same... I totally agree with Tim and the, the reason I do is because Miles, although I abhor what they do, are not doing this out of being evil. And when you portray them as monster men, all you're do is doing is name calling. And you're stereotyping them. And it's, a, it's aside from being nasty, it's, it, is, it, is, uh, it is tactically just uh, self-defeating. Because it's like having an argument with someone and just calling them a name. They're just going to walk away. They're going to walk the, away from you and not understand it. So I it's think it's, a comic book. Yeah. it's a comic book. It's tactfully destructive. Yeah, but Tina, I just want to say something about the comic book thing. As a gay man, I know that certain Christian fundamentalist religious groups would go through the Castro in San Francisco with these little comic books about Sodom and Gomorrah portraying gay men as these lustful, uh, demonic types. And that didn't get them anywhere. Actually, it backed up. <coughs> more reasonable people over to the side of gay rights because people were portraying gay people as these monsters. Uh, okay, whatever. It's, you know, it's, it, it's a conversation, right? It, it, I'm just saying it can backfire <laughs> when, when you use those tactics. I was really excited to hear everything that you had to say. Um, I do think that the whole Jewish ritual circumcision thing is just so key to the movement. Um, I'm not Jewish myself, but I'm also not an atheist. I agree with you about um, that whole atheist thing also. I feel the same way. Um, but just to, to say that the, the whole human dignity overrides Torah commandments, I find that very exciting because I think that you cannot argue 
with these rabbis who are saying, this is what God tells me to do, and this is what I'm going to do. There is no argument there. There's no logical argument. And it's almost like what you're saying is you found a loophole. So I find that really exciting. I also would like to, and I was going to say, how can I see some more information about that? Um, you know, yeah, I think we don't like. I'd like to take it a yeah. little bit further, but I'm excited to know that you're writing the book. I'll be one of the first readers, definitely. I, I just want to respond quickly. Um, I uh, I think that you don't. There is no way to argue with a fundamentalist, and and I think it's also important to note that fundamentalism is a part of of all religions. Um, so. Rabbi Bula is definitely representative of a certain number of Jews. Um, one of the presentations on Monday made mention of the fact that we're human beings and we're not really suited to fundamentalism. Um, and I think that's really true. Um, but uh, yeah, you saw my tactic for dealing with fundamentalists. I tried to make a lateral move and describe my vision of the Jewish tradition and make it more exciting. So. You, you're the first people to, to hear this. I'd be interested um, to hear this. This gentleman, Dan, then probably Michelle. I'm afraid there'd be so many hands going up. If I've lost out on the list, please help me out. Yeah. Any, anyhow, I thank you, Alai. Because between I was out and didn't come back for, for your presentation. It was very clear and very helpful somehow. She's like me. One, one thing, it's our fault. Because you speak about fundamentalist. I my, myself I don't accept the word because the terminology because we the, before uh, some decade ago nobody speak about the fundamentalist we bring this and we did more give more light and more hope to pe people to use to misuse terms for them on good I think uh, we have to be careful in the future and we have to be careful for our kid in any and any exception, like the circumcision and anything, we have to just to let it be, to be a little bit quiet in these terms, because terminology is not exactly what we, because everyone inside to us have read what is the, funda, uh, the, the terms of the fundamentalism, what we can go, is when you read something very deep. Me, the people are misusing for them on word. And why, why I, I didn't understand why you speak about, you make a reference differently with the fundamentalist in group, in uh, example in Israel, in Arab countries, and this is because the people from there, they got the force to use this terminology to have the, as the stamp, you need. Oh, I see what you're saying. You okay. I think, I think I understand what you mean, but. We are all reaching this thing. And if, if we put a little bit quiet, uh, quiet this about this thing, I think we we know fundamentalists and the people will understand more what is going in the world and more the progression. I, I think I understand. I think I understand what you're saying, but I, I want to explain and defend my use of the term fundamentalism. My understanding is that the term comes from the Protestant Revolution, uh, Reformation rather, um, and that actually it refers to a kind of reading practice that until Luther. Um, you had the early church fathers and you had a system of interpretation 
not very dissimilar to the Jewish one that I just mentioned. And uh, Luther's revolution was that you have to go back to the plain meaning of the text. And that's a fundamentalist reading practice. And my catch-all term, fundamentalists, are people who read texts that way. I think it's kind of difficult in the Jewish tradition to do that because everyone accepts that there are these parallel written and oral law traditions. So it's difficult. Um, but there are still fundamentalist Jews, and they basically just say that it all came from God, and they don't accept... The basic thing about fundamentalism is that you don't accept that every reading is an interpretation. This, to me, is a truism about the way human beings read texts, and a fundamentalist does not accept that. I live in a different universe from the fundamentalist because that is a basic truth claim that I make about reality, that when a human being reads a text, they are, by definition, interpreting that text. Um, that's why I use the word fundamentalism. It comes back to that different, different reading practice. You have to be careful about it. Sorry, for the future. Dan. Um, several of you have told me that you really thought that the letter that came from my sister and another doctor that was published in pediatrics about this lady's policy was a really excellent letter. My sister is on the board of professional advocates for Impact America, but she keeps telling me she wants to get off of that. She doesn't like the way that Impact America attacks doctors as being evil sometimes. And her, because she says when her colleagues did not go into medicine to, to harm children, and when they are accused of that, they stop listening. And it's very difficult for her to talk to other doctors. She got a lot of flack from doctors who were listening to her until the Impact America first ad came out saying, you know, doctors are terrible, horrible people. I'm, however, on the other side, they are good, terrible, horrible people. There's got to be some room somehow, because you're not going to get everybody here to agree on one approach as to what's the right way to do it. I don't know how that, how, how we can handle that. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a good point. I, I urge everyone here to look at the way other human rights movements have dealt with this. I think it's really important, though, and, and this is a point I didn't make strongly enough. Um, we need to be connecting with other human rights communities. And right now, that's not happening. And Kelly, you know, I just got to say one more thing. You have a lot of fucking nerve criticizing the intactivist movement. It is happening absolutely every time, every day. Half of us are, are no, not half. A number of people are devoted. That's all they do. They just don't get anywhere. This is a perfect example of you saying this doesn't happen. You just don't see the result of it. But you're saying it doesn't work, and I'm trying to explain why it doesn't work. And my explanation for why it doesn't oh work... Oh, my God, you're such an ignoramus. Okay, so maybe I am. <laughs> maybe I'm an ignoramus. Listen, yes, if you well, want to well. know about that, <laughs> there is so much intactivism going on that you're not aware of the incredible okay, maybe. sacrifices... But that thousands of people all over the world are making it. Yeah. Tina, I'm not trying to insult you. That's why I called this tough love. Oh, that's bullshit. Okay. I'm sorry you're offended. I really am. I think everybody's got a lot of passion on this issue. It gets right to my heart anyway. Michelle. So um, I've been involved with this since 1999, um, coming into it. And um, there was, I think, my first exposure was no sir. And there's doctors opposing circumcision, and there's general autonomy, and there's WISH, and there's Norm UK, and I'm never quite sure what meeting I'm in. So when you say get organized, I think this is a great opportunity 
for us to say, oh, and then there's Intact America, right? So and another 50 different so, organizations so, you didn't yeah. mention. So it, I think it'd be really nice if we got organized and said, this is our organization, and we have a medical component, and we have a, a, doc, a legal component, and you know, kind of get it. When you say you've challenged us to get organized, that's what I thought because I'm confused half the time about who I'm working for. Uh, David Smith at the back, please. You were talking about working together, and I think I mentioned the other day that we are uh, in the UK about to form an alliance of organisations. So we all work separately, but the alliance. We'll work together to issue statements. We will find out which it, what each other is doing. We're all tackling it in our own way. The Secular Medical Forum are trying to separate religion and medicine. Norm UK is working to help the man uh, on the street with a problem. Um, and Genital Autonomy is working on human rights. But the Alliance will, will do just that. It will bring people together, working on the various components. And, that sounds like an excellent idea, um, and I, I think it's evident there's no lack of passion for this issue. But when you talk about organization, the current balkanization that that you just mentioned, I think also in and of itself is structurally uh, counterproductive. And I think those sorts of efforts of figuring out a way for everyone to speak together will be very, very helpful. Uh, Sammy, uh, you've been yeah. waiting a long time. Very short. Very short. Uh, first of all, uh, you said you should focus on the uh, focus on the medical uh, uh, discipline or uh, students. I think you should uh, uh, more focus on lawyers. You know, we had one decision, court decision, and it got so huge reaction. So we have to teach law students to have later judges who can make decisions because this is very important. Second, you said you thought it should not be Islamophobic. Yes. This is this is a bad word. Oh. Uh, look why, look why. I have to love Spanish, but not Corina. I have to love Jews, but I don't have to love Judaism. I have to love German, but not Nazis. I have to love it, it, Italians, but, but not fascism. I can't be against an ideology. You should say, you should not be Muslimophobic. Muslimophobic. I love all the Muslims, but I, I don't have to love Islam. I, am, I call myself Islamophobic because I am afraid of Islam. Yes, I am afraid. How could I deny that I am afraid from Islam when, when we have a barbaric system? <laughs> But they don't accept that because they say, no, 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 Islam is perfect. No, it is not perfect. This is why you have to avoid this term. Islam is not one thing, sir. And that's part, that's resonant with what I've been saying all morning. Islam is not one thing. So for you to say, I'm afraid of Islam, you're saying that it's one thing and you're afraid of it. Yes, 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 yes. It's a problem. But, but for this, you should not say you should not be Islamophobic. Yes, I am Islamophobic because I am afraid of Islam. I am afraid. Yes, Islam is a Nazi system. Islam is not one thing. I think we should go on yeah. to the next. Yeah, I think so. Islam yeah. is not a Nazi system. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, you are sorry. Okay. I am not sorry. Not, you have to be. 
Yes, thank you, Eli, for the wonderful presentation and all these points that we got. And I was also very happy, actually, to get now tools for the human dignity and yeah. what overrides the Torah. Kitos. <laughs> Kitos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, um, we also, we want to, uh, we are trying to get, or we are going, as we heard yesterday from the Metropolitan University, uh, that now she also accepted to take this circumcision uh, into the curriculum, and I think they are teaching uh, health promotion, so I have been taking it out, and now they will take it also from another other side, uh, from the Finnish midwifery and health uh, students, and we are calling for the uh, doctors like David uh, said that they are doing it in England. But, and I, I agree, and I expect <coughs> that we have to contact the doctors and the lawyers and all the organizations, but let's not forget the mothers and the fathers. Mm -hmm. I think we should also very much empower the mothers, like we heard the story of the Finnish mother. And uh, we have to empower the mothers. We have to get the information from the grassroots. And then from the mothers and the fathers, that they are also with us in this. And when they hear it from the lawyers and the doctors, or they can then come from the doctors. And I think that also would be one field that we could start working more. Bravo. Yeah, I just wanted to thank Ellie for putting on such a great presentation like he always does. And, uh, you know, you're discussing the various groups need to work together, and, and that's a good thing. But then there's also some merits between each group uh, making the most out of its unique talents and a certain amount of competitive spirit between that, between each group. And I think that happens with any movement. There's always groups vying for the attention and the, and the publicity and whatnot. And uh, so that's not necessarily a bad thing either. Absolutely. But thank you for having the coverage for raising the issues that you did. And it's always a pleasure. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's our show. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please email them to us at cutdocumentary at gmail.com. And if you like what you've heard today, please support us by buying our film at www.cutthefilm.com.